In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like the one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you uh, you have so much in store for us, uh, that you're so merciful, you're so gracious to us, and uh, we have... We have things written from Paul that show uh, it shows challenges, but it also shows depth and riches of wealth that we can have with you that you offer that um, come only from you, Lord. So we just ask that our hearts, our minds are open to receive that this morning. And um, especially as I'm teaching through this, but would would we be able to be changed as a congregation um, because you are present, because your word is alive? Um, so, yeah, lead us and guide us this morning. In Jesus name. Okay, so uh, disclaimer, as I was thinking through, uh, I just gave some space after trying to work on this, and I was like, dang, this really feels like I'm just adding burdens to people. Be like this, do more of this, and that is not the heart, that's not the intention. I tried changing some of that stuff, cutting pieces out, uh, and reorienting it. So here, instead, when there's something that starts to feel like uh, maybe a do more or be more like this. There should be the invitation from Jesus for you to just come closer to him. That's what my heart was at trying to get out with all this stuff. So listen for that, not for the, uh, oh, there's something extra I have to do now. Great. So, um, yeah, I think uh, this really should be something that any of us hearing this message can take from uh, this morning and walk with the Holy Spirit and just ask, uh, like, what's the long-lasting change that you want to do in me, Lord, as as I've just dug in deep with this passage? Um, so that's something any of us should be able to to do or walk away with, and that's the encouragement too. Um, like, what rearranging or cleaning house does the Holy Spirit want to do in you? And again, these are the invitations from Him, not something I'm going to tell you you have to do. Um, so Jesus wants to live in the temple. He wants to live in us, in this house. So what what needs to go? And also, what does he want to put in? And what guests does he want to invite that you'll have to learn to host and to be comfortable with and, and be okay with, uh, you know, welcoming these people into the space that we, we like to call our own. Um, so, yeah, just keep your ears, your eyes open for the, this idea of consider with Jesus uh, what are some goals, some dreams, some ideas that he has with you and for you? And then the last thing before we get to the specific verses uh, is this. We've probably all heard the sermon before, something like, okay, you know, run run the race, run it to win. Well, my race, what's my race? My race is in the workplace. My race is with my family. And that's not the sermon that you're going to get this morning. I've heard it a few times. I didn't feel like recreating it. So... Uh, it's out there. You can find it. That's not this morning's. This morning's main idea is discipleship. And also why. Like the, the why behind discipleship is the worth and the beauty 
of Jesus and the closeness that we can have with him. Um, yeah. So, back to the passage. First uh, Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Um, I just have some thoughts about each of these that I want to give as kind of a context before some of the meat of the matter. Uh, so these will just be kind of bullet points. Um, verse 24, don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. So Paul is talking about a kind of running that is to be in the competition and competing, not just like, okay, finally, I, I qualified for the Boston Marathon. That's good enough for me. I'm just going to walk. It's like, that's not the kind of running we're talking about doing. We're talking about like still trying to compete and win. Um, so also by talking about a race, there is a finish line by nature. And that is an encouragement in itself. Like life is long, life is hard. There is a finish. There is uh, a finish line. There is a crown to be had. There are prizes that are distributed afterwards. And it's not necessarily a uh, everybody gets a participation trophy kind of thing. It's like Jesus talks about real rewards for real interaction and activity with him and obedience. Um, but here's another, another thought is he specifically says in the stadium. And that would suggest that there's like there's spectators. There's a legitimate prize. Uh, and then this idea came to mind of like gla gladiators. This is also a spectator uh, stadium event. The prize in some cases might even be life itself. And there's more to come on that. Uh, not the gladiator bit, the life bit. <clears throat> so finally for that verse, uh, don't think run like you're trying to go to the grocery store, get home real quick, and relax. We're running to win. There's, there's stuff at stake here. Uh, and it's more than just about like comfort and feelings that we have or that we want. Um, so verse 25, some more thoughts. Uh, now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So again, we have this whole idea of competition. Uh, the reason that the reason that someone would be in a competition is because of the training that they've done and the disciplines that they have are what actually get them through the event, not simply to it. For example, the Boston Marathon thing again. You don't just like somehow qualify and then you just throw away all your disciplines, your training and uh, lose all the benefits of that. And you realize, oh, I can't actually run this. Your body is ready. Um, so uh, next thought is just this idea of crowns. Um, I think different translations that I've read would say something about like a wreath, basically. So there's like a plant version, you know, there's weave together some ivy and it's like, yay, you get a crown. Congratulations. And the contrast isn't simply a metal one that's going to look shinier and last longer and be more expensive because it's metal. The eternal one that he's talking about is like life itself. And I really want to jump ahead and just talk about Revelation 4 right now, but we'll pause. <clears throat> so also we have this imperishable crown that we're racing for. And that is like to not uh, get too stuck in the metaphor of races and all these kinds of things like that is it's life with Christ. It's life in Christ. And that doesn't just stop once once we turn the page and life over is here life here is over that's that's the new beginning that's what the crown is is we get to live it with him and no more sorrow no more shame <clears throat> and then uh first corinthians chapter three so going back a little ways uh 
Verses 12 through 15 say this, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test that sort of work each one has done. Uh, if anyone has built on the foundation, if any work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved as only through fire. And a different translation or uh, um, uh, paraphrase says, like, and you, you'd come through smelling like smoke, singed. <laughs> but you're, you still made it. So this whole idea of, like, what are we building with? And then the type of crown that we're looking for, what kind of crown are we looking for? One that could just, poof, be gone and in a little flame, or one that's going to stand the test of fire. Um, Verse 26, so I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. So Paul feels the need to make a contrast between on purpose and aimless kinds of training. It's not just, uh, it's, it's not just something that maybe a couple people struggle with in this idea of am I being on purpose or aimless? Like back in his day, in our day, in my life, maybe in your lives, <laughs> there's this idea of like, do I want to do this thing on purpose? Do I want to be prepared? Do I want to be diligent? Or do I just kind of like, do I just like to go with the flow in everything? Um, so running aimlessly, it's not good. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy, especially if you're in the midst of a competition or race. I can remember this one specific cross-country course. It was in this huge park, and it was really easy to get off course because you go in the woods and you just tuck around, and if there weren't the, the markers, it would have been more than just me. I guarantee who would just, you know, start running through the woods and like, well, I wonder when the course is going to show back up again. And I haven't, I haven't been competing anymore. I'm well behind last place. The next heat has started. All that kind of stuff would be happening if I was just running aimlessly and okay with that. <clears throat> so, uh, in, in the same way, it's like, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And it's just filling time with invaluable things. Like to jump out of the metaphor, uh, if, if we're not, uh, training and being disciplined and trying to run this race with purpose and and with aim there's just useless and waste of time things that start to accumulate and and then uh, yeah like the the reward just gets further and further away um, and then he talks about boxing so boxing against the air for example I saw a movie where this guy is is King Arthur and he just stands there against the wall he's like mm -hmm, just doing that for like it just goes cutscene, cutscene, cutscene. He's doing it, and then it's something else, and then he's doing that again. It's like he's nothing's happening. He's just looking at the wall, and he's swinging his arms. He's just getting tired for no reason. Uh, and that, this like shadow boxing, where you're just looking at the shadow. I'm sure there are some benefits of like agility or training, but you're never going to beat the shadow. So in that sense, you're kind of wasting your time. But also, it just gives this false sense of strength, this false sense of competition, this false sense of ability. And again, you're just making yourself tired for no reason instead of doing other kinds of training. Um, so to contrast that with boxing against like equipment, for example, you are growing in strength, you're growing in technique or against another person. There actually is the competition side where you can win, you can be victorious or you can fail and know why and learn. Uh, and then to contrast the racing aimlessly versus on purpose, uh, you develop strength. You have your direction. You're going there. There's completion. Like you can actually finish it when you're going somewhere on purpose. Uh, you're, you're growing and training and stamina, and you have this sense of pace. So you know, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow because of the training, because of being diligent? Um, and all of these things have so many crossovers from the metaphor into our spiritual lives and like reality of what I'm talking about. Some of them you'll have to draw for yourself. Some of them 
it'll be a little clearer a little bit later. Um, but running to win just looks different. Uh, running to win boxing against a competitor, it just looks different than uh, the fake stuff you just talked about. So the last verse in our section is verse 27. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. <clears throat> so I just said this, but disciplines, uh, discipline the body is a metaphor for these spiritual disciplines that he's talking about. This, these real things that he's putting into practice in his life, uh, whether he's writing a letter from jail or he's trying to preach to this crowd over here, he's getting chased out of this city and lowered down in a basket in the middle of the night. He's got all these things that he's actually doing and practicing to maintain his relationship with Jesus, to maintain his qualification instead of being disqualified. Um, and since we're in the metaphor, for example, like cutting out bad food, you know, like there are bad habits, bad attitudes. Somebody who just consistently says, I can't do it, was never the person who got the crown, who got the reward. They're not the one who came in first place. Uh, so attitudes, things that uh, we just like to cling to, there's this emotional side of things, um, like the idea of training and diets and exercise and cheat days. We like our cheat days, but they actually are pulling us backwards. And there's, yes, it feels good emotionally to be able to think like, okay, yes, I have a break, I can do this thing, this just feels good. But it's like we forget that the disciplines and the results of that are actually so much sweeter and so much more of a reward to have uh, just the spiritual fitness, the, the emotional, the relational fitness to be able to press forward and keep going and know, like, I can do this because he has already done it for me and he's doing it with me. Um, so all that being said, I have some practicals that the Holy Spirit has been challenging me with. I just want to list through some of these and describe why they came up. Because um, there's some story with each of these as far as uh, what's been able to change and what's been able to be just different about my life recently, as opposed to the long gaps where I was not being disciplined and just skating along and coasting. And it's it's really frustrating to look back at how different things could have been if I would have had, had these and been diligent with them now. Um, so... Before that, though, I was just listening through Daniel this morning, and he he realizes that the 70 years has come about, that God prophesied, like, hey, you'll be away and, like, exiled, and after 70 years, you'll be brought back. And so he's, like, he's looking through these scrolls from these different prophets before, and he realizes, hey, the time is now. So he makes his petition to the Lord, but he makes his petition on God's merit and God's goodness and God's kindness instead of the people's merit. He's like, we get, or at Daniel's words, I get that we don't deserve whatever it is that you want to do that's good for us. Uh, it's because you're good and it's because you want to that it's going to happen. That's why I'm asking you, God. So keep those things in mind, um, that it's always going to be God's merit. It's There's nothing here that I'm saying is like, hey, look at me, I'm doing better. I tried harder, so look where I arrived. That is not the case. It is God's merit that I am riding the coattails of 100% of the time, all the time, anytime anything good happens, <laughs> and through bad things happening too, uh, probably because I did something wrong, actually. Uh, I still get to ride on the grace of God. So the disciplines, um, the things that have changed throughout sermon prep, especially, uh, it's it's been very hands-on for me. Uh, various conversations that I've had with friends and um, just the topic of disciplines and discipleship 
there's no, God didn't give me the, the long leash to say like, hey, you get to just teach on this and not actually have any of these things be changed <laughs> as, as you go through it. Um, so it's been very hands-on, uh, but the best part is that God has been meeting me with, within the challenges at every corner, at every turn. Um, it hasn't just been like, hey, Brian, you're not doing good enough, do better. And then he sits there and just waits for me to do better. He's like, and here I am, like, enter into this with me because I'm here. <clears throat> so uh, I've been reorganizing. I've had to cut some stuff out, trim the fat here and there with the things that I want to do, that I prefer to do, that I want to just like be lazy. Uh, you know, maybe I'm not the only one who struggles with laziness, commonly pronounced laziness, but uh, uh, it's a disease. <laughs> it really is. And we have to like, we can treat it. We can treat it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so some things that I've been doing, uh, Bible reading and listening daily through the Bible chronologically. Um, surprisingly, as somebody who works in a Christian missions organization, um, that hasn't been the daily habit or routine that it should be in my life. And I've been doing this for like five or so years now and just had these like ebbs and flows of quick in and out of whether or not I'm being disciplined with daily reading. It's like, well, what, what do I have to offer people if it's just me, if I'm not being filled with these words of eternal life all the time? Uh, and I felt the struggle of that. I felt the lack. And so I was very hungry and very eager to turn back into some of these things. The irony about this Bible reading plan is that it was boring at first and I should have been finished more than a year ago. So I picked up with it a couple months ago and I've been doing, trying to listen through quickly, like several days worth at a time. Uh, and that since sticking through it, of course, the first couple days, like week was boring again. I was like, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to give up. I can do this. So I stuck with it. And if I'd forget in the morning, I would come back to it in the afternoon and just make sure that I did it every day and start building that habit, building the discipline. And seriously, it's, it's so strange. It's so weird. My emotional outlook, my perspectives have changed. There's been so much more gratitude and joy. And the strangest part about that is, like I said, with Daniel, I've been in these parts of prophecies of things going totally wrong all the time. And God saying, if you guys don't change, you will be like, you'll be inflicted with this judgment and it's going to be bad for 70 years at least. And in the midst of that, God is increasing my joy and my gratitude. Like, I'm not just reading words from a page about some history thing that has no uh, divine redeemer and healer writing every page of the story. Like, he's actually alive and active in it, and I'm seeing that as I look back each day. He's meeting with me every time I listen, even if it's, hey, Jerusalem, hey, King so-and-so, you screwed up again. Like, this is what you did that was really wrong and messed up. So I'm going to have to judge you in these ways. But you can turn and and I'll relent from my judgment. And somehow he turns that into joy and gratitude and something that's like anchoring my soul to hope. Uh, the, the process looks like, I've talked about this with Sam a couple times now, but it just looks like digging a hole. Uh, it's boring. It's annoying. Once you get deep enough, you're like, well, sunlight's getting smaller and smaller. Like I'm seeing less of why I even started this whole thing. And you're just digging and digging and digging and getting lower. <laughs> and then suddenly, and like the water starts bubbling up and you realize, 
that's right. I was digging a well. This is something for me to drink from. This is something for others to drink from. It's not just digging a hole that someone's going to tell me to fill in and then dig a different hole and then fill that back in. Like this is for real nourishment, nutrition for life. Um, and, and it doesn't always feel like that in the moment. So it's so, it's so good to be able to zoom back, zoom out and, and look back on what something is that we've done with the discipline or with some of these habits. I'll try to go quicker through the rest of these. Um, but scripture, I think would just be the primary one. You know, if we, if we could just realize that we're so hungry and thirsty for scripture and that it's so satisfying and nourishing, uh, I don't like, I don't know what wouldn't change. Like the scriptures have been saturating and nourishing my heart and my soul. Uh, and yeah, I've been satisfied. I've been relieved and alleviated. Um, and, uh, yeah, it goes beyond just some spiritual disciplines. I also threw in the one I've actually been doing this, like it's like five minutes, but it's just something that's been really important. These stretches and exercises every morning. And it seems so silly to mention up here from the pulpit, but Again, like that, has, that was actually the first step was realizing I can spend five minutes and do this thing that's beneficial for my body and I can feel it every day. I really can. It doesn't obviously feel good in the moment, but afterwards I'm like, oh, like I, I can move. I feel good. That one, it like lights the fuse or gets the ball rolling with the spiritual ones too. So I started with that, honestly, it's like five minutes. I can do this five minutes. And it's like, okay, I can do this. So I can also add in this thing of like how much reading or listening that I want to do every day and these in times of prayer with the Lord. Um, so that, uh, went to a couple of the next spots, like listening, I've had some podcasts that I found with the focus of discipleship. So some about family, how to, how to disciple your family. And like, we're about to have our first child and I'm like getting way ahead of myself looking at, you know, the 10 years old, 15 years old, like, what do you, you know, just listening to some of these stories that these people have, but it's like, I want to be ready. I want to have my whole family like walking in, in these disciplines with the Lord and being like ministered to daily because we're going to him, not because we're relying on ourselves or on other people or, or some, uh, something that stirs our emotions and then just leaves us flat afterwards. Um, so I've been listening to that, listening to one about, uh, marriage as well. It's like, it's so full of tools and encouragement and challenges and the people who are putting it on their vulnerability to share like high points and low points, uh, in their own marriage and where some of this stuff comes from. And it just helps to value and put the proper energy into my marriage. Like God would intend like to see the value that why God even made marriage a thing. Um, and, uh, and then just like prayer. One thing I knew I had to do was make a space in our house. Because what I was doing was not working because I wasn't doing anything. So instead I made a space. There's like a desk. There's a map. I can pray for people. I know I can pray for people groups around the world that just don't know who Jesus is yet. And they need the gospel. They need him. Um, and that one, I haven't had a specific routine around like, okay, every day at this time I'll go in, but into this, into the quiet place, a secret place, but, uh, it is there with specific intention. And then I will walk in there knowing I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish these things instead of just another space in the house where I incidentally, like, I don't know, play a game or just watch a show or get, you know, get caught off guard doing these other things. Um, so I mentioned, let's see, there was a part I was going to mention about preaching to make Jesus the hero of the story. Cause he really is in every passage. We can always find him. He's done better. He's done more. He's done it for us. Um, 
So in, in light of that idea, being able to just see that and then communicate it, uh, he's, he is the master of doing things first and then teaching others to do it instead of, uh, this seems like a good idea. You should try it first or just, I don't know, basically being a failure of a coach by never having done the thing, but trying to tell somebody how to do it. He's done it all. Uh, he hasn't asked a single thing of us that he hasn't first done himself or gone to a single place that he hasn't gone first. Um, and even if he did all those things in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's great news for us. Because as believers who are in Christ, the ones of us who would say like, yes, I want you to be my Lord. I believe that you saved me. I believe that you died for me and rose. I want to follow you with my life. Like for those of us who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. And we have the same power that he had to actually do these things that he's requesting of us. These disciplines, these opportunities to meet with him, to go before him in the secret place. Um, the same way he did. And it's it's even better than just he did everything that we should do. Everything that we can't do, he did for us. He's just he's just so good. He's just awesome. He's he's paved the way in every place. Uh, gone before us, he's made it manageable. He's made it doable by doing it for us and walking with us and giving us the gift of his Holy Spirit. So uh, I want to rewind to the, the beginning of this whole challenge with disciplines, disciplines in my life. Um, it started because of some conversations with friends, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, it was probably two months back, we were in the car, and the word discipleship just came up, and one of my friends was discontent with that word because that came up much later than uh, like the disciples writing about um writing the gospels and communicating this whole idea. So we have this word that we now translate discipleship and it just means discipline. And for whatever reason, we like to pump the brakes, let off the gas and just say like discipline, that sounds like bad, you know, like nobody wants to be disciplined by somebody because that's the context. It's like, I did something wrong. I'm getting a spanking. And I would ask how many of you uh, were like spanked by your parents and came out okay, but I know there's a lot of generations in this room, so I won't. Uh, <clears throat> And um, I was I was one of them. I'll raise my hand. I was spanked, and I'm better for it. But it wasn't. I wasn't abused. I want to be very clear about that. I was spanked, uh, and I was disciplined, and that actually helped me understand right and wrong. And we have Psalm 23 talking about uh, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The rod and the staff for sheep aren't like to pet them from a distance and say, "Oh, you're so good," and call them. Is to like smack them and keep them from going over the cliff and also to discipline the wolf that wants to come and eat the sheep to take a crack at those things discipline is good hebrews 11 hebrews 12 talks about the fact that if we're disciplined we know that god loves us you know we know that we're legitimate children and so to be disciplined and to have disciplines there's there's this shift of mind that, that i think i think the church at large uh, society, especially in general, just needs to go through to think better about discipline and what benefits there are in it. Um, so that kind of sums up that conversation. We talked about that, how we're just kind of like, we need a new paradigm. We need a new paradigm for this word. And that brought a really humbling moment for me. Like I said, it's been probably five years that I've been in this missions organization and we run these discipleship training schools and my we, we just graduated one and there's six months three months here where the students are going through 
intense weeks of lecture and they've got opportunities for outreach and serving around the base and uh, times of prayer and worship. And that's all supposed to be like the know God part. And then we go overseas and it's the make him known part for two and a half months or so at a time. And the students just get to go and pour out and serve. The lectures are done. So they've got way more time in the day. <clears throat> and I realized, okay, if this is a discipleship training school, there ought to be some disciplines that these students leave with. And I did a quick uh, evaluation of myself and I was like mourning the fact that I don't think I instilled or played a part in instilling a single discipline into these students. And that's not to say they didn't grow. Holy Spirit's in them too, so he knows how to invite them into things. But as far as my role in being a staff for the discipleship training school, it's like I didn't instill a single value or discipline. And that's heartbreaking for me to realize like that's probably because I haven't had any of these same things in myself. So I was like ashamed and you know, a little shy to try to say, hey, you should be doing this. Like, why don't, why don't you do that? This would be great for you. Uh, because I wasn't doing them myself. And that was an awesome reality check. It hurt, but it hurt in a good way. Um, and that's been stirring something that I think and pray and hope will continue for the rest of my life <laughs> about having disciplines and then knowing how to invite somebody into that too. Uh, so for example, the depth of what I was offering those students was maybe like, how are quiet times and wouldn't necessarily define quiet time for them. Like, Hey, this is what I mean when I'm saying this, we would do it as a school and say, okay, everybody here's quiet time, what it can look like. And then with the individual students I was checking in with, it's like, how's your quiet time? And that was about it. And they'd say, Oh, it's like this. I'm like, okay, well, uh, I see if you can make that a priority. Meanwhile, I'm waking up late and just like getting to base just on time to start things. And it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's, it feels shameful, but it's always been an opportunity and an invitation from Jesus to just start now. Um, so in, instead of like, hey, students, scripture memory, how's that going? What scriptures can we memorize together and exchange them with each other? See how we're doing. Didn't do that. Um, fasting, like, hey, Jesus says when you fast, I don't have a habit of that. You want to start that with me to the students? Didn't do that. Um, silence and solitude. Again, I said I woke up late, so I wasn't doing that. Personal times of worship, just being able to either put on an MP3 of just praise songs or pick up a guitar or just read through Psalms and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I was hardly doing that. Uh, so, uh, again, like I said, these students were still able to grow because they still have the Holy Spirit, which is by far the best grace that, uh, I can comprehend is the fact that like my failure will not overcome the Holy Spirit's ability to bring success and to bring fruit in people's lives. Um, but yeah, my role as discipler in these students' lives, it just wasn't happening. It was seriously lacking. And uh, I'm so grateful for that reality check. That really put things into perspective for me when we had this conversation. What does discipleship mean? It means discipline. Somebody who is being disciplined, somebody who will discipline others. And that's, that's like a transfer of these things. But again, how awesome, how great, how wonderful, how merciful is Jesus. Um, I can think of so many moments when the disciples just totally messed up. And instead of, instead of just giving up on them, he says, here is the better way. Here's how you do it. It's like, Hey, should we call down fire from heaven on this place? He's like, no, actually, 
We love these people. We're going to go that place soon. <clears throat> and he's, he's just so patient. I'm like, oh, I'm so encouraged that uh, correction and being disciplined from him especially is not a bad thing. So let's look at Jesus' Jesus's example. Luke 2, 46 to 52 is Jesus' early life. It's when uh, they go for the census. And his parents leave, and for three days, he's just sitting in the temple, in the synagogue, and he's studying, he's learning, he's asking questions. And he's also apparently giving answers to questions because people were surprised and full of awe because of the answers that he was able to give, because of the understanding uh, that he had about these scriptures. And I, I'm convinced that that is because he knows the heart of the Father. And so he's able to see every scripture that they may have opened, every scroll through the context of what God's intentions are for his people. And he's able to reveal those things because he's the son of God. And uh, he's revealed that to us too. Like he's given, he's given that mercy, he's given that grace, that understanding to us. Uh, so as an adult though, we have a lot more examples through the gospels. Jesus would go to desert places. He'd go to the wilderness. He'd spend time alone away in the secret place with the father. And he, he just made a habit of it for big decisions before a normal day, before anything, it would just so often says he would just go out into the wilderness and spend time with the father. And he wasn't doing it because uh, he's like, I need to be so strict and disciplined with my life. I need to set these habits in, in place because it'll, it'll do me good. Like here's my, here's my get ripped fast in 15 minutes routine that I'm going to do because I need this. Instead, it's because he knows the father is his lifeline. And so he'd go to him and know, like, this is where life is. And that's the only way the rest of my day, the rest of any of this happening is full of life instead of just the, the normal difficulties that come with the day. Uh, he did it because he wanted to be with the one who sustains him, who, who knows him, who loves him. And that's the same offer, the same invitation we have. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 5 to 6, and then 16 to 18 these are these two chunks where Jesus is talking about prayer and he's talking about fasting. And he says, what you do, he said, don't do these things like the hypocrites do, for one. When you do them and you go into the secret place, what you do there with the Father, he's in secret, he sees it, he will reward you. So again, back to the earlier verses where Jesus, where Paul is saying, like, we run for an imperishable crown. We That's what we get as a reward. Jesus, Paul, like, there's so many rewards that are spoken about that are real. Like he, he doesn't just discipline us. He also rewards us. He also knows how to like draw us into certain things, like um, to invite us into more. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with reward by nature of Jesus saying that we will be rewarded for doing these things. And sure, maybe we start by saying, well, God, I need to be rewarded in some ways because I like, I'm feeling a lack for that to be a starting point. I think that's fine because he's the one who gives the reward and you get more time with him and then you get to see him and then you get filled up and sustained by him instead of only chasing after some kind of experience or some kind of reward alone. <clears throat> so that, that takes us, oh, are we at the revelation part? We're so close. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so rewards, Jesus is the reward. Life with him, life from him, being with him, that's the reward. Verse 25 again, now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. 
And I think the contrast too is like these people who are racing for something that won't even last the span of their own lifetime are disciplining themselves in every way to have that. How much more do we have an opportunity to, to give what we can now and every day towards this thing that will last forever? Francis Chan has this illustration where he's got this really long rope and he's like, okay, here's this red part, you know, this is life now. And then he just keeps pulling the rope and it keeps coming and coming. He's like, this is eternity. And we're so worried about this little bit. He marked off like an inch on the rope. Instead, we can be investing towards these rewards, which is Jesus for all of eternity that comes down the way. <clears throat> so there's a heart posture around rewards, around these disciplines, around why we want more of him. Uh, and Psalm 27, I think, has a great way of saying this. This is from David. Uh, Psalm, the, Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. He's just so captivated by the beauty of the Lord. He's so hungry for more of that. He's so, and he talks about inquiring. He's so curious about the answers that God has for these things, that these questions in his heart. Verse eight of the same chapter, he says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. <clears throat> it's like, he just wants more of the Lord. He, he knows what the reward is and he wants more of him now and he wants more of him later and he wants more of him for all eternity. And he gets to have him. And like I said, this is written by King David, and we know a lot about him, both good and bad. And uh, I think the key thing that makes God be able to say, this is a man after my own heart, is the fact that David was repentant. He was good at repentance. He would, even in pride, somebody could confront him and he'd realize, I need to repent. <laughs> he wouldn't just like dig deeper and try to say like, no, 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 nothing happened. He, he knows when to call it quits and when to just bow down and change his posture and say, okay, God, you win. I've, I've strayed. I've looked at these things instead. All I want though is you. I want more of you, Lord. Um, and, and beyond, beyond just that passage, just look through Psalm 119 or Psalm 19 or any of these you'll see so many references to David saying something along the lines of like five times a day, I, I meditate on your word or I, I get up to pray and seek the Lord or day and night. I meditate on the word of the Lord time after time. He's talking about these routines, these disciplines that he has. And I think these are great examples because like we have the whole Bible, we have the whole picture that we can just be feeding on and, and eating from. And he didn't even have the whole thing. And he was already able to see how much beauty there is in the Lord that he wants more of. Um, so this is great. Revelation 4, 10 to 11. There are so many crowns mentioned and there are so many people who you think would be like, wow, you have arrived. You ran well, you won because you're one of these 24 elders who just get to sit around in a throne and look at God. And what do they do instead? They say, cool, I got this crown. I'm going to throw it at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to bow down and I'm going to join in the worship and say, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And this is, this is the eternity. This is what's looking forward. This is this revelation of what it will be like, what people's perspective of Jesus is, of like having more, a more tangible like ability to interact with and see the God before them. And instead of like 
yeah, I'm so happy about this thing. Like I did it. Look at that drool and look at that drool. They're like, this is worthless compared to him. And so they throw it at him and say like, you have it. You do something valuable with that. All I want is you. You're so much more valuable. That's, that's such, there's such love. There's such, uh, intensity with how, uh, how to hunger and thirst after these times with the Lord and know that we will be satisfied. <clears throat> um, there's so many parables where Jesus tries to break down the an understanding of the value of the kingdom of God. So, for example, there is a parable given about it being like a net that is cast out. It grabs a bunch of fish and then people filter through the good and the bad so a fisherman can get it. He talks about a pearl of great prize where a merchant specifically will know, oh, yeah, like I get it. There's value here. He talks about it in terms of a rich person who has treasures new and old, and he brings them both out to show people. And the old treasure is like, I know why this is valuable. Sure, it's a little tarnished, but I know where this came from. I know the history. You won't, but this is why I'm bringing out this old thing. This is why it's so valuable. And then the, the new ones, obviously, it's like, well, that's shiny. That's made of a lot of gold. Of course, that's valuable. So there's the, the easy way to see that one, but he's got both and he brings them out. And then the kingdom of God is also like, treasure buried in a field so you get the agriculture guy the one who lives and works on a farm walking through a field and sees that and all these people he's just making it so clear for different perspectives what is ultimate value and this thing can only begin to describe it like it's so much more valuable than earthly treasures this eternal crown that i'm talking about that we can win that paul talks about that we see uh, these elders in revelation have received this eternal crown just Anything that we can imagine of ultimate worth, God can give us an example in this life of what we might see as most valuable, and that thing just pales in comparison. <clears throat> and Jesus says, uh, this, this is Mark 8 through 36, he says, what does it profit a man that he should gain the world but lose his soul? It's like, you could have every bit of riches on the world, and that's still not enough. Like, one, your soul is worth more than that. And two, the guy that you get to spend eternity with, he's worth more than that. He's worth the investment. <clears throat> so, uh, I think this is a fair disclaimer. Do I feel Jesus's presence every time I go in for one of my disciplines to like listen to some Bible or to sit down and pray? No, uh, not in the same. Definitely not in the same way that like you feel it when you're in the presence of somebody, like in a room with somebody you know who cares for you or is comforting you or encouraging you. Uh, honestly, I don't feel it that same way. Uh, not every time, especially. But he has told me, uh, like I said back from Matthew in the the, uh, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus is saying, with prayer and fasting, what you do in the secret place, he'll reward you. He's there in the secret place. He's told me he's there. I will take it in faith that he is there with me, even if I don't feel him. And, and having, having that as something that I'm just kind of like constantly chewing on as I'm trying to come in and push through bored days and push through frustrating times where it feels like the heavens are closed. It's like, well, he's, he's here with me. I'm in the secret place with him. He's in secret. He's here. He promised a reward. He sees what's going on. That's awesome. That's good enough for me. That's what I want. Um, so, uh, I think maybe at different times of my life, maybe in different people's lives, there is this concern that we, where we don't want to uh, try to push really hard at certain disciplines because we are afraid of stepping into a 
like a works-based mentality or a legalistic view where it's like, well, I'm, I'm afraid that if I do this every day, I'll think that that's what gets me a good placement with God. It's like, don't, don't fear that. And like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, if there's something like that, that we're concerned about as far as adding some new things in, we're just rearranging things on our schedule to have these rich and secret times with the Lord. Uh, it's not, it's not just routine. It's discipline. Routine is just like, there's not really value in it. It's just what has become habitual and regular. This is discipline. This has rewards. This has, uh, access to our father, access to Jesus. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a challenge. There's a commission. We might be used to calling ourselves disciples of Christ. Like that's a, a phrase that we get from scripture just, you know, wanting to put things together, that's fair. Uh, we really do want to live with him. We do want to live for him. Uh, but I just want to jump back to the statement at the beginning where I said, consider with Jesus. Consider with Jesus how he is inviting each of us, each of you, to come uh, and grow with him. Things that we can push out, things that we can add in. Uh, and don't be discouraged or think like, I won't, I won't be able to do it. I'm, I bit off more than I could chew. I'm not going to be able to do enough. Uh, just let Jesus get specific with you about what he's inviting you to do. Don't try to do the generic, hey, here's what so-and-so did, so I'm going to add everything they did and cut out everything they did. Let Jesus be specific with you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about where he's inviting you, probably one thing at a time, and just adding, adding these disciplines and growing and maturing in those ways. And there's always more. Any of us could be the most disciplined person in the room, but there is always more. There's more of him, so there's more to have access to in these things. Um, <clears throat> say yes to that invitation. And there was something that I cut out earlier that I think is fair to say again, uh, to bring back in, is the enemy hates this stuff. He really does. He doesn't want us praying. And if he does, he wants us, uh, he wants us to be distracted prayers. Uh, and he doesn't want us in Scripture, because then we know... For example, how to refute him when he tries to use scripture against us. And he knows that we know more about what the father is like. And we understand his schemes even better to be able to just avoid them and run away from them. His, I, it seems like his favorite tools are distraction, the shiny things, uh, and discouragement to say like, well, I missed a day. I just, I'm just bad at routine. I'm bad at habits. I'm bad at disciplines. I won't be able to do this. Or I disappointed God, so I, I just shouldn't even keep trying. He, those are not from God. Those are lies from the enemy. And we know those things. So we can just be like, oh, I heard that. Smack it out and just keep going. Just persist. Push forward. It's God you want. It's not the dece deceptions of the enemy that you want to succumb to. <clears throat> so don't be discouraged. Don't let, don't let those things try to sneak in or steal the joy of spending that time with the Father. Let him, let the Father show you the finish line. And let him spark a fresh desire to run hard towards him. It's not going to be anything I'm saying here. It's going to be times in the secret place, times in the quiet place, where he will show you his heart and he will spark that hunger, that desire. Um, and he is the exceedingly great prize that nothing else compares with. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Uh, make it about him. It really is about him. Like the things that we have to give, uh, it's just, it's it's not our merit. It's not anything that we can actually offer him besides our affections, besides uh, the things that he will use to steward and draw and develop obedience to him. Um, so this is the commissioning, is to go, 
and to sit. Go and also sit. Go out in obedience to the lover of your soul, but also sit and be with him and fall more deeply in love with him, with scripture, with prayer, just time in the secret place with him. <clears throat> Go make disciples, sit with him, and learn what disciplines he wants to mature you with. Let's go. We're sent. Um, yeah. Jesus, would you filter through everything I just said and make it about you? Would you make yourself honored and glorified and loved and seen? <clears throat> would you change us? Would you... Would you bless us in your mercy and in your grace, uh, giving us the things that you know you want to give us that you also know we don't deserve, and that's why you're so good. That's why you're so loving and merciful. Um, yeah, Speak to us clearly. Speak to us, some of us, more clearly than we have ever heard you before about these things. Let it be an encouragement. Um, would you silence the voice of the enemy in each of our lives and uh, just draw us in, draw us deeper into these places with you where there is rich, there is uh, vitality, there's wealth of life um, and may we be more hungry and thirsty to just sit and gaze on the beauty of the lord um, yeah would you sustain us in these pursuits and in our uh, our appetite for you yes would you be glorified in jesus name amen <clears throat>